The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Welcome to this week's special edition of the 360 podcast. We have our weekly roundtable with a couple members of the 360 staff. We've got Barry on. We've got Chris, our recruiting coordinator. We've got Caleb, also known as Sooner 55. And we have Kyle Dogren with us tonight as well. Uh, DMAC um, wanted to join us, but he's gearing up to. Uh, attend and be a part of Roy Williams induction ceremony this week. So uh, shout out to DMAC, shout out to Roy Williams. Uh, we've got a lot to get to today. Um, why don't we start with everyone going down the list of their favorite offensive and defensive MVPs for OU this year. Barry, do you want to kick us off? I will gladly kick us off. And then DMAC is a... Not cool for not being here, but that's okay. Uh, but I will I will gladly kick this thing off. We talked about it a little bit on the Barry and Mac show, but for me defensively, and I, I guess I'll probably go there first, it's probably got to be Billy Bowman. And th- that is taking into account the uh, the term valuable. I feel like he he added so much to that defense when he was on the field. I mean, almost similar to like the, uh, the Delarin Turner yell effect that OU experienced a year ago, where you just didn't realize how much you needed him until you did not have him. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, uh, that when he got on the field, things improved offensively though, it's easy for me because I want to stake over it. I picked this guy to uh, lead the team in touchdown receptions. I'm going to gladly own this for the rest of my days. Uh, To me, it's got to be Braden Willis. Not only did he lead the team in touchdown receptions for the regular season, guy blocked his tail off all year. I mean, the the things he did from a leadership standpoint, you could argue should have been done by other players. You, you, You could argue that Maybe it was because of the leadership vacuum that was left with the departure of of certain players that he was the one who had to step up, and maybe that's not best for the team. But it's got to be Braden Willis for me on the offensive side. Hard to argue those two choices. Do you have any uh, deferring opinions? Well, I think the I think the offensive MVP is a player we've discussed a lot and not necessarily always been overjoyed with. But it's hard for me to look back at the TCU and Texas games and not say that 
even despite his play level, Dylan Gabriel is obviously the MVP of this team because OU was nowhere without him for the two games he was out. Interesting. Yeah, I uh, I have a differing opinion as well. So I would I would say Eric Gray. Uh, just you know, I think the reality of it is, even when DG was there, he struggled at times, particularly in situational football. Like he really struggled on third down. And you've seen some numbers that kind of bear that out. You know, first, second down, uh, he was very good, very efficient. And uh, while you usually see a bit of a drop uh, in how a quarterback's efficiency from first to second to third, rather, his was, you know, something that's very, very, very rare. Uh, so for me, Eric Gray, yeah, I know he think he had, you know, what, what amounted to, I think he was second in the uh, Big 12 in rushing uh, before Vaughn passed him yesterday effectively, but still second in terms of yards per game, uh, you know, and he had the ninth best season in the history of the University of Oklahoma by running back, which is shocking kind of, right? I think it, to realize he ran for just under 1,400 yards, you know, uh, since 2000, the only three backs that have had a better year than him were AD, were Q, and Samajay, uh, you know, and I just think, Without him moving the sticks, keeping OU in, you know, uh, getting first downs and without that run game, without the run game just didn't really move without his ability to make guys miss really in a phone booth. And uh, yeah, I think it would have really struggled without him, which would have highlighted DG a little bit more. Well, Kyle, we've had three different choices so far. Do you agree with any of the three or do you have another one? Yeah, I'm surprised it took us. Till three people in to say uh, Eric Gray. I mean, uh, I, I thought this was going to be a clean sweep, so uh, I'm a little shocked over here. Um, I do get Chris's argument for value with uh, what we saw when uh, DG was off the field, but uh, I don't know. I think the bar is a little higher in Norman normally on the quarterback play, and yes, we have been spoiled, but I think what Eric Gray brought to the offense and, you know, we, we've had some talks behind the scenes of like, how many games did we say we won because of Dylan, you know, or, uh, you know, things like that. It just kind of makes me think, I feel like there were multiple games that it would have been the same if Eric Gray was not on the field. Thankfully, we didn't really have to go through any of those dry spells of seeing what it would have looked like with him being out for a couple of games. Cause I think we would have seen some of that same value go down of man, we are just not the same without him burning a lot of this load, but defense, I think it says a lot to, uh, to have to look at somebody like Bowman because of, you know, his limited time on the field. I mean, gosh, what, uh, what other guys really are there? I, I kind of thought of it as, Someone who's just quietly in the background, always there, um, able to move around to a couple spots. And Woody Washington, um, you know, typically no news is good news out of a cornerback. If you're not seeing him getting picked on all game, it's generally probably a pretty good sign. So I kind of felt like just his, um, you know, a little bit more leadership. I feel like, you know, someone who's been around for a while kind of leads by example instead of being a big vocal guy. So I was going to give uh, Woody a shout out for the defensive side. Like I, 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 my defensive guy. I'm cheating a little bit here because he didn't really impact the whole season. But when you when you're talking about just pure value from a defender, is there anybody more valuable than C.J. Colden the last part of the season? Hmm. If we'd had C.J. Colden healthy game one across from Woody Washington, I, I think this would have been a much better defense all year long. I agree. Yeah, that's actually a really good call out. I uh, 
I, I thought about having Colden, right? And I kind of looked at the same thing and thought, I mean, I don't know. He how many games do you guys remember? Obviously, he was not he was not a mid-year guy, and that really impacted him. How many games did he actually play snaps on defense? Do you guys recall? Because I feel like early part of the year, he didn't have the defense down fully yet and was not even taking snaps. And he was he was hurt in August too. Okay. Okay. So he lost yeah. he lost several weeks in August. So his catch-up process was even worse. Okay. So Think I want about this. He he played half a year, I think, effectively, right? He had four picks, which I think four big only four big picks. Big picks. It should have been five, right? Because you had the one against West Virginia. I mean he, he picked it off and uh, I mean, you know game game winning, game changing, game winning picks almost. Right. And, and I want to say like I saw this somewhere, uh, read this since two th- since since Brent Venables left Norman. I think only two or three, maybe it was three DBs have had more picks than four in a season. And it was, uh, uh, I want to say Jordan Thomas had five, Norwood had five, and then Sanchez had like seven uh, one year, like 14. But uh, I mean, he pulled that off in, in half a year. So that was, yeah, that was impressive. Well, it's funny. We have a common theme in, in all those choices, all defensive backs. Um, I had written down CJ Colden, question mark, and Woody Washington, question mark. I think you can't really go wrong with either of those. Um, like Kyle said, Woody consistently throughout the season uh, was always solid. Um, he wasn't really picked on that much. Um, I think that one pass interference late in the season was kind of a weak call that probably left a, a bad taste in some people's mouths, but he was there all season making great tackles in open field. Uh, he even moved to safety for a couple games and, and filled in nicely there. So I've got him as my defensive MVP on the flip side. Who was your biggest disappointment in terms of their play or improvement this year? Barry, uh, I guess we'll start with you. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll go ahead. I mean, for me, oh man, that's so tough. Um, I gotta say it's probably Reggie Grimes. I mean, 14 had so many moments a year ago, and even going back to the year before that, where he would he would flash uh, you know, the the occasional explosiveness, you know, the strong hands that you know he did exhibit in high school to some extent, but I think that even with the change in coaching, the the change in style of the front that they were playing, there just was not enough physicality, you know, play in and play out. And and I mean, honestly, you can probably copy and paste him with a number of guys, you know, in that defensive front. Uh, but for me, just looking at the defense, I, I feel like the the edge was a a major problem all season. I know Downs ends up getting selected to a second team All Big Twelve, but but if you if you watch the games and, and if you play to play, the there's consistent issues. You know whether it's three man, whether it's four man, whatever OU came out in, that there were issues containing. There were issues stopping the run. And you could argue that tackles got a little bit better as the season went on, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But but the the ends consistently, you know, there's linebacker play too, but the ends consistently had issues. 
if we're going offensively, to me, almost the entire wide receiver group um, to me was was a bit of a disappointment. I, I don't have any necess- necessarily any player to highlight. I think you know Farouk had his moments. I think of all the players, he probably shined the brightest in terms of improvement. Mar- Marvin Mims did a lot of things that we expect Marvin Mims to do, but uh, Jalil Farouk was probably that guy. But essentially, everybody else underneath him in that second rung that you didn't really have any young guys step up and that they had a lot of young guys who were there, you know, as to why that is, who knows, you know, what we'll talk about it. But I mean, it was just a fact that there was at times limited places to go with the ball, but you know, it's kind of one of those situations where would better quarterback play in certain situations have had uplifted that group Blocking was an issue to start the year, you know, until OU started changing strategy there, which we talked about on the Barry and Mac show. Uh, but but I think overall, wide receiver, a, a bit of a disappointment. Chris, what are your thoughts? Well, he stole my Reggie Grimes answer. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Barry. Um, <laughs> I, I have a feeling we're going to have a common theme again on this side of it. Yeah, this, this might have. So I guess I'm going to go with... Marcus Stripling, just what happened to the guy in the Oregon game and what happened to the guy from spring? Interesting. He's, I mean, he's been a complete and total non-factor. Yeah. And, and we know the talent's there. We know he's got athletic ability. It's flashed at times. I just, I just really thought perhaps Chavis, this new defense, that, that he had a chance to uh, – had a chance to make some plays. I mean, he looked, he played well against in Oregon when everybody else had graduated. I mean, sorry, gone to the NFL. And he played well in the spring game to the best of my memory. Um, but he just completely was a complete non-factor. And since, uh, and I'm to, to also say off up to, to echo Barry's comments, all the comments this summer about how good Jaden Gibson looked. Um, where, what happened to him? What, what happened there? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure Jaden Gibson. I know at the end of the season, he had that ankle injury, but he, he never really put it together and became that, you know, kind of shut down corner that people might've expected in this new scheme. I think stripling the same new scheme kind of, um, I don't want to say screwed him, but He's a little bit too too slow twitch to play cheetah. A little bit too sh- sought off to play end in this scheme. I think that's that's probably what happened to him. Uh, Caleb, what do you who do you see out there? That's interesting. So I have to say this: uh, Marcus Stripling, one of the like most odd recruits ever. When you look back, if you look back at like his uh, his recruiting profiles, I think he was two hundred and sixty five pounds the spring of his junior year of high school. And there was talk of like, does this guy grow into a defensive tackle? And you fast forward five years later, and he apparently can't get more, get heavier than 245 pounds. Uh, and, and is playing defensive end. And to your point, kind of almost a hybrid outside linebacker. So this one's probably going to shock everybody uh, a little bit. So I kind of, I, I took it as, you know, most disappointing lack of improvement. For me, it was actually Jalen Redmond. That's uh, probably surprising. But when when I looked at 
when you watch some of the tape, go back and watch some of the fourth quarter against Texas Tech and watch him just not even try, just stand up and latch on. So there was some of that you don't expect from a fifth-year senior who's trying to get ready for the NFL, let alone a fifth-year senior who's supposed to be the leader of the defense. So that was really disappointing. But the other piece of that was to shock you guys again, like, right, he had more tackles for loss and he had more sacks in only 10 games as a sophomore than he did as a fifth-year senior with what's considered probably the best defensive line coach in the country. And it's just, it's just, I think, you know, for five years, it's always been, if this guy can put it together, if this guy will be consistent, if this guy can stay healthy, if we can get it out of him, he's going to be great. And it was just always kind of okay. And so for me, he was the most disappointing, um, you know, for, you know uh, in terms of, yeah, you know, kind of the expectation level. Uh, offensively, I thought it was, you know, for me, it was a really easy one as well. It was Theo Weiss. You talk about a guy who was a five-star, uh, fourth-year guy in the program. And then we talk about, you kind of, you know, everyone's talked about, you watch the film and like nobody's getting separation, not making competitive plays, going long stretches of doing absolutely nothing. Uh, you know, I guess because he was not, could not get separation, could not get open. And for for a team that that needed a big receiver opposite of Marvin Mims to make competitive catches and to make you know those crucial third down catches where he's able to get in there and use his body and pick up a you know a third to six third and five uh, you know he was you know I'd love to see kind of the numbers on just how many third down balls he caught throughout the year. You know, I think he had the, the two plays. Think about it, like, you know, talking about a guy in his, his fourth year at Oklahoma was a five-star and two first plays he made were, I guess, maybe one gets Baylor as a freshman. But, you know, we're in his last game in, in Norman against Texas Tech. Kyle, you got any other players? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'll kind of do them as a tandem, but the, the linebacking pair of Guaybu and Stutzman, I mean, maybe we were a little – uh, uh too hopeful that uh, the magic of the linebacker coach Brent Venables was going to come to town and suddenly, uh, you know, got kiss watch lists and things of those of yesteryear would come right back. But uh, I don't know. It's like they both shown, you know, solid athleticism, the, you know, Guaybu tip pass diving pick in Bedlam a year or two ago, or, you know, stuff that had had some, highlight tackles here and there, you know, when he was kind of spotting time as a freshman. So it's like, okay, yeah, you know, you think the the foundation is there. Now let's get some, you know, high level linebacking coaching and you they can kind of be the foundation of the front seven. And I mean, by the end of the year, I feel like we're all looking, it's like defensive tackles improved. Defensive ends were still struggling. We've already touched on that. Quarterbacks improved, especially when you got Coleman there. Safeties where, you know, there were a flurry of guys that all had some good moments, especially when Bowman was in there. Key had some great games. It was like, how is linebacker like the weakest point of the defense? I was just shocked um, that that's how it was. And then the depth was just so bad. You know, we couldn't even have anybody pushing with all the injuries and things we had there. So I think that those two guys, you know, I was pretty disappointed in seeing how the transition was with this new uh, defensive staff. Um, offensively, just to, I don't know, try to zag while everybody else is is going to some of the, the common names. I, I think maybe same thing, maybe a little too hopeful on what Gabriel was going to bring. Um, 
you know, I, I'd seen some of the kind of crazy turnovers he had at UCF and I knew he may be a little, a little wild here and there as far as, you know, pushing um, some crazy turnovers through uh, crazy interceptions or things of that nature. And, and that's fine. Cause you saw the numbers. It's like, yeah, if a guy's pushing the ball downfield and we're being aggressive, I'd rather be too aggressive. I was just surprised at how many of the like just open throws were not hit this year. You know, it, we went back and forth as a staff and even with some of my other friends about, you know, is it Levy? Is it Gabriel? Or what, you know, when the offense stalls, who, who who's mostly at fault? It's like, there's so many times there's just stuff schemed wide open and it just goes missed and it ends the drive on third down and, you know, puts more pressure on the defense. And, you know, just when we're on that razor thin line, that's the difference of we've said numerous times between nine and three and six and six. And, and the season looking completely different. I just thought, you know, a bunch of those just open passes would be hit to keep the chains moving and, you know, just be a little bit more of a solid person back there. Maybe not the upside of some of the quarterbacks we've had, but just maybe not as low of a floor as we saw some games. So I'll, I'll say that because maybe I was just a little too optimistic preseason as well. I think we were, we were, I feel like we were sort of sold a bill of goods on, on DJ that, that we didn't, that wasn't quite delivered. That the folks that were sort of were insiders were kind of telling us a DJ story, which we, which we never really got. Once he got to this level of competition, he, he didn't really elevate his game in the same manner. And I think when when we saw this move happening in the offseason, you know, you've got Riley leaving, you've got Venables coming in. There's a lot of optimism around. It was easy to kind of get tied up in, okay, this guy, this guy has been highly productive at a group of five school, uh, UCF, who's, you know, a little bit more than a group of five school, and they will be soon. Um, so thinking he gets into to OU, better linemen, better skill position players. Um, you know, Lebby's another year or two into uh, being able to call plays, which is debatable. You know, we can debate that. Um, so you think Gabriel can take that next step, and he just never did. So I think people got a little bit too optimistic at the beginning. And then, Chris, like you said, we're starting to realize sold the bill of goods. He's not terrible. Chris, you even had him as uh, your offensive MVP, which is hard to argue. Um, but at the same time, it's hard to argue Kyle's point in being the most disappointed in Gabriel. Uh, I think another unit that I would throw out there, I'm not going to beat a dead horse on the front seven, but interior O-line uh, kind of struggled all season. Uh, you saw it even in the tech game, trying to pick up uh, a third and two, a fourth and two, uh, some of those short yardage. And I know Rame going out uh, hurt a little bit with Congle snapping and stuff like that. But even with Rame in before he got hurt, still struggled a little bit. So I think a lot of this that we've talked about is typical first year, new staff issues, players that don't fit. Um, some players that couldn't step up in the moment. So um, I think it's everything that we've talked about so far. Those are good players to pick out and good positions to pick out. And we'll just kind of see how that carries into next season. So that being said, we're, we've been harping on the players. What about the coaches? Which position coach do you feel like had the best season? Barry? 
I mean, I, I kind of referenced it when we uh, opened the uh, group discussion on, you know, disappointments and whatnot. But, you know, to me, it's got to be Todd Bates. And I, I think Todd Bates, what he was able to do by the end of the year, right? Because you can go in that and say OU's most talented group was probably its back, uh, back seven, or at least the uh, the corners and safeties group. Um, but if you're talking about a group which was relatively maligned just because of the attrition that they had there, you, you lost a Perry on Winfrey, you know, Jalen Redmond was, you didn't really know what you're going to get year to year. The fact that he was able to take a group that one, they're learning a brand new scheme that this is a completely different style of playing defensive line than they have been used to. You know, Grinch deployed a very simplistic scheme that you could argue probably hurt guys like Winfrey, you know, because when he goes to the senior bowl and is able to essentially play defensive tackle, um, he was able to shine a little bit. And 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 I think it's not just it, it's it's about the development to me. It's about what were they when they faced stiff competition against Kansas State in week four, whatever week that was, I think it was week four. And then what were they by the end of the year? And by the end of the year, they were a group that was playing low. They were using their hands better. They had better eye discipline, right? Teams knew that you couldn't necessarily kill the interior, but if you hit the edge and you were able to climb up to a backer, you, you would get OU. Uh, in in the run game, and that's what teams did. They 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 when there was a three man front, and they knew that edge was not going to be held. All the all the quarterback did was easily break contain, get outside. But the interior of that defense w- was probably the most improved unit. You look at a guy like Co. You look at a guy like Kelly. You know, two players that I think OU would would want and and be inspired to get back. I think there are two guys that, although they're not necessarily starters on a championship squad, on a team that goes into the playoff and gets a win, I do think they are players that on a team where you've got a one or a two above them, those are the kind of guys who come in there on on second down, who come in there on the fourth series of the game after the after the starters are, are a little winded, and they make some plays. And, and I think that was... Over, overall, to me, that has to be the unit. I totally agree with that. Um, Chris, do you have any thoughts? Well, I think I got so used to our safety play last year being so abysmal that the that I think Hall brought a lot, was able to get a lot out of that group this year. I think factoring in the fact that Bowman was was banged up, Key Lawrence was banged up almost all year long. And I think that we finally saw a young safety getting some coaching and hitting the field and looking not completely lost in Robert Spears Jennings. So I think I think I think Coach Hall is where I'm gonna go. Caleb, what do you think? Oh gosh, I, I would almost just say ditto to everything Barry said. Uh, I I really agree there. I think when you look at, you know, what group as a whole, uh, you know, got better and even 
I, you know, my knock on, on, on Jalen, he, he, he didn't get worse, uh, you know, from, from what he was, uh, the previous three years, but yeah, Co and Kelly both got better. You know, uh, you can even, I know Gilliam didn't play a ton, but there are some snaps that you can turn on, uh, before his shoulder really got bad on him and see him making big strides from a technique perspective. Like you can see him doing exactly what he was coached up to do and winning with it in the interior, which, you know, to me is a, it was a, was a great sign and something to be, you know, excited about moving forward. Uh, so it's, it's hard to, it's hard to look at that, you know, uh, it, you know, I think defensive end was, was so rough, you know, and to that point, like you just watch them and they so rarely were able to, you know, really engage a tackle, squeeze that down and keep their, keep their linebackers clean. You know, they getting caved down. They just struggled really in, in, in so many areas that bled over into the linebackers. Uh, you know, it, yeah, I would say if it wasn't for uh, DJ Graham having some issues at corner, I would maybe put Jay Valai in that conversation, but uh, as is Todd Bates. Kyle, what are your thoughts? I'm going to give a shout out to DeMarco here. Um, the Eric Gray I saw this year was just not the same one I feel like we had seen before. Um, as a more complete running back, you know, when he came over to Tennessee, we were all hyped up. It, it seemed more of like a scat back, you know. We've talked, you know, about maybe if his speed is kind of gone, if he's put on more muscle and stuff like that. But it's just like, I mean, he's an NFL back now. And I never would have said that the last couple of years from even just pass pro and just a lot of the little things, you know, good balance of being patient, but also, you know, just being able to take one cut, just getting the yards instead of dancing too much. I used to think last year he was always trying to make that extra cut and he'd get cut down at, you know, at the zero yard line instead of picking up the three or four to, you know, shorten down the the next downs yardage. Um, small things like that just really added up to where, like when I was talking earlier, just the the things that keep the chains moving, keeping a drive alive, keeping your defense resting. I feel like he was just a different back this year. I and mean, you've got to give DeMarco some credit for that. So I'm going to say him. Well, also factor in Javante Barnes, true freshman, um, looked a little skittish kind of at the beginning of the year. But by the end of the year, especially in that Texas Tech game, I mean, he kind of popped every time he touched the ball. Yeah, that's a good um, point. We should so, get a good good idea too for this bowl game with Gray being out. So maybe even see a little bit of Sawchuck action. But uh, yeah, no, you got a good point on Barnes there. Well, I, I was uh, in agreement on Brandon Hall. Um, I thought, you know, he really, you know, took that unit to the next level. Billy Bowman, we've always known he was an elite talent, but I think this year. Uh, before that knee injury really started bugging him towards the end of the year. Um, he was kind of taking that next step. Um, I thought Damon Harmon was uh, much better. Um, I know he had that scary neck injury, but he was starting to play in position before that. And then uh, when he got back healthy again, uh, I thought he flashed a little bit. He's still a young player. Um, so I, I thought Brandon Hall's done a pretty good job, um, but I can't disagree with any of y'all's other coaches. Um, if we circle back to the players, we've had um, a couple players uh, announce their intentions to go to the NFL, especially across the offensive line. Um, you know, it's, there's two sides to that. 
um, obviously being able to recruit uh, based on your uh, production of putting guys in the NFL is great. Um, but when you're trying to build a new team with a new coaching staff and your left tackle and right tackle bolt for the NFL before the bowl game, um, you know, it presents a good opportunity to get some of those young guys in. Um, so, you know, we're looking at filling in two new positions um, already right away. Um, who would you roll out with, Barry? Man, if we're talking about the two tackles, I actually think, at least over there, kind of kind of opposite Anton, when uh, Guyton got the play, I may be a little bit in the minority on this, and I'm really curious to hear what Caleb says. I actually don't think the drop from from uh, Wanye to Tyler was was that great, and and let me caveat that with I don't think Guyton is is fully physically where he needs to be to play at the level that you expect at Oklahoma. I, I think he does still need one more year, but but I actually think from it from a feet standpoint. And definitely from a standpoint of length, you know, th- there's some stuff that I, th- I think he offers. You know, I- I'm really excited to see the two Jakes. Um, I- either way, I mean, anytime you have um, guys who can put up the numbers in the discus, like they've been able, like they were able to do in uh, in their uh, high school days. That actually, I was reading an article today about how discus throwing for offensive linemen is is a massive. Um, indicator of potential success at the NFL level. So might be something coming about that on Sooners 360 very soon. But I think the two Jakes are very intriguing. Um, but but I actually think, you know, Guyton has a chance to, to um, have a nice little career at Oklahoma, you know, especially give him one more year, you know, with uh, strength coach Jerry Schmidt. I, I think there is is a ceiling there that that he is not at yet and uh but but you know I think in this game this is a perfect opportunity for him to play some serious talent on the other side of the ball you know in the bowl game that we're, we'll talk about but um but to me man I'm excited to see those guys Chris what's your starting lineup for the bowl game well he won't do it but I'd love to see Jake Taylor get some get some play at either one of the guard spots in this bowl game. Um, obviously, Guyton replaces Morris. And I'd, I'd love to see Bird getting some play uh, to replace to replace Harrison, have Sexton and Bird compete compete out there. Because I think uh, – I think we need – I think they need comp- – I think we're going to find, possibly based upon the portal that – Maybe we need more tackles and we need interior guys. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, the portal is going to be something to watch uh, with all of that. Yeah, so for me, one of those spots is pretty easily guiding. Yeah, to Barry's point, uh, I don't think there was really any drop-off. when you If you really graded out the full game and you sat down and you went snap by snap and you gave a guy a grade, I'd be, I would be surprised probably if Guyton didn't grade 
as almost on par with what Wanye does consistently and probably a little bit better at times. His, his, his valleys just are not what Wanye's are. Uh, and a lot of times Wanye's valleys are, are more just, you know, got to maybe take a play here uh, and get a breather, uh, you know, and not give everything. I think Guyton has got all of the ability in the world. He could be, I, I think that, you know, the experience he got this year, you know, First time really playing offensive line because you remember at TCU he was a kid that played well, from Austin area played defensive line in high school. Uh, you know got to got to TCU just continues to get bigger and bigger. They play him at tight end and a little bit of their like jumbo package. Uh, in the last offseason, it's the first time he's really worked at tackle. Like that's how special I think that kid could be. You know, Anton is going to go off, and I, I think once he does his workouts and and people see how well he moves and how he'll fit into like a true you know zone scheme, but outside zone, I think he'll be a first round draft pick. I think Guyton's got that level of ability as well. And I, I really kind of follow along with with Chris there. The other tackle to me is, uh, you know, I think you lock Guyton in. You like, you know, hey, this is probably our starter for the next two to three years uh, at this spot. The other one is, you know, do you let? I would love to see Bird and and Sexton compete for that spot. You know, throw them over there and and see, you know, who, who wins that. Uh, you know, going through bowl practices, maybe Bird does a little bit better at tackle than he has uh, at guard. I know there's been some chirping that um, Toyer may as well. I think maybe his plan was maybe to be only be at Oklahoma for a year and go to the NFL. So if that happens, you know, maybe you get you know Bird back inside spring or or Sexton or whomever. But yeah, I don't know uh, on 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 who that other one is. You know, I think from what we've seen in the season, probably Sexton. Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, who we're lining up? Yeah, I think these guys covered it pretty good. I mean, Guyton, with his experience this year when Morris was out for a couple games for his uh, suspension, I think it was, um, you know, filled in pretty well. You could see his rawness, but, uh, you know, the talent's there. And he's not a guy that was ever pushed down to scout team throughout the year. He was always going to be that third tackle rotating in. So we'd still see him here, here and there. I, I feel like he's going to be able to step in, especially getting all the reps now that those two guys have already uh, declared. Um, the other side, it's going to be interesting. I was glad that, you know, I think it was starting that Iowa state game. We saw that weird hockey shift of the entire O-line getting in. Um, so it seemed like they were definitely starting to make, a little bit more uh, headway on getting guys like Taylor, Sexton, Bird, um, you know, a, a here's a small package, work on it. You know, it lets you see that they're getting some good reps during the week and same thing, maybe not just working scout team all year. Um, so hopefully one of those two guys are going to be able to contribute and, you know, Barry's done a good job in some of our other conversations showing just even like the strength that Sexton and Taylor both came in with, with their lifting backgrounds, I think is very different than the linemen that we've gotten the last several years. So, um, you know, I don't feel like it's going to be anything other than just like technique that's going to be holding them back in this game. I think they'll be plenty strong enough, but it's going to be a good test. You know, I was trying to do some quick reading on Florida state today, just to see what their, their side of things were saying. It looks like a bunch of their kind of, NFL potential guys are staying for at least the bowl game like that Jared Verst, who's that big Juco guy or he was small school that transferred in. I remember OU was looking at him and he's gone there and just of course torn it up. Uh, but he said he's going to stay in place. So whoever gets the call definitely uh, have somebody that's going to be playing on Sundays across from them here and there that uh, it'll be interesting and uh, give us a lot of insight of what it may look like next year. 
Yeah, and I, I too am looking forward to you know guys like Taylor Sexton, Guyton getting more time out there. Guyton's look great, I think, especially later in the year when he got in. Um, and and if you can get Bird as much playing time in this bowl game as possible to possibly sway him from uh, any thoughts he might have about leaving, I know Caleb would uh, pull his eyes out if that happened. Um, and, and as Chris said, we know he won't do it, but it'd be it'd be great if Bedenboe would put out, you know, Guyton say Guyton at left tackle, Bird at left guard. Uh, you'd have to play Congol at center, um, and then you can go ahead and put Taylor and Sexton on the right side and just kind of see what happens. I mean, they have I think sixteen practices in this bowl matchup to gel, and you know we're we're ready to take the next step into the future. I think uh, Venables might might know all this. Um, so hopefully he uses this bowl practice and prep and bowl game to really use that as the launching point in the next season. And then as, you know, as we're talking about next season, are there any of these guys that are exiting into the portal from OU? Do you, that you wish OU had another year at developing uh, Barry, do you have any players that pop out in your head? None, zero, nada. <laughs> at least not at least not now right I, I think the guys that we may be uh surprised with or may say man i think that guy if he just stayed another year i don't think those guys have quite made their decision yet and and that's probably why they would be you know more of the the surprises but it's no secret i mean the the culture needed to be shifted at this program and and coach venables just came in far too late a year ago to get that done. I, I think he had to spend so much time recruiting the current team that he had very little time recruiting the next team. And I think that hurt him when it came to transfers. It hurt him when it came to getting out there on the recruiting trail. You were you were closing guys just so you could have a roster. I mean, it was it was that bad when when Riley you know left. I mean, it was, it was a real problem. So, you know, as of now, there isn't anybody that even, you know, remotely surprises me in, in terms of, uh, of departures, but not to say it might, might happen in the next couple of days, you know, uh, but to me, nobody as of yet. Yeah, Barry, those are my thoughts exactly when I was preparing my notes for this, as I looked down. I wrote dot 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 no, so <laughs> I'm uh, I'm right there with you, Chris. Do you what are what are your sentiments on this? Do you have any players that pop up in your head? Well, I came up with this question, so I should probably at least come up with one name. Um, I think I wouldn't mind seeing if if Jordan Mooks could have been a could have been a cheetah. You could have done something with Jordan Mukes in the offseason, got him up to 6'2", 220, 221, something, something Deshaun White sized, and see if there was just if there was anything with good coaching uh that you could could have could have could have got out of that. Um could have got out of him. I think he's a pretty elite athlete. And um I think that's maybe the only name that I'm stretching there. Really, I am. And Barry, I know you had kind of some thoughts on Mukes as obviously an elite athlete, but 
I guess the questions are out there about his ability as an uh, just a natural football player. Kyle, do you have any uh, thoughts on any players that you'd like to keep around? Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, no, none of them are really contributing. I guess the biggest one that we didn't mention was Clayton Smith. I mean, gosh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, we were just so amped up when he decided to sign with OU, and it just, it didn't even amount to like a flash in the pan. You know, like he flashed, he flashed here. Really? Like I guess I missed that. I don't know. He'd get on the field and like you'd see him run around, but I don't ever remember him being like, "Oh, I wasn't okay, there." It is. I mean, he. It's like he came in. It felt like he was way smaller than we thought he'd be. Um, you know, never was packing on weight. So it was even just like, okay, th- this is going to be a, you know, like a long-term build. Um, when I thought, you know, watching his highlight films and stuff, that it was going to be a little bit more of an instant impact. So I know, I guess Chris was a little bit more optimistic on a few of the snaps here and there last year, but I, <laughs> you know, I, I'm saying like contributing plays I, I never even like had the like, oh my gosh, yeah, this guy could be something. And then it's already done. So now watch him go somewhere and become an all conference player, really uh drive the <laughs> I doubt it. Drive the knife I, deeper. I doubt that. I highly I doubt, doubt it. it. I'm, I'm with you, Caleb. <laughs> his problem his problem was was the same as a lot of guys. He just did not have the feet to to play to play the position. You know, particularly with the uh, responsibilities that that Brent wants, you know, guys to have. I mean, he couldn't. I don't think he could have played in space as a Mike. I don't think they could have put him on the edge. He just in in high school, he had he he showcased the the same issues. You know, to me, he was a a five star on potential alone in like yeah. the perfect system. But and would. I- it, would Go. Sorry, I, I feel like it, it goes with a lot of the guys that we see never played this year that transferred out too. I think it's a mental thing. You know, we we've talked, you guys have talked in your podcast, we've talked on the board. There's just a there's a difference between being a big, good looking athlete that can do everything on combine day, and then a difference between being a football player. And I just think he may be one of those guys that falls in that category. That's going to look good getting off a bus, but at the end of the day, you got to put pads on, you got to go hit somebody. And if you're not going to be the aggressor in that equation, then the game's going to be harder for you. So that's something I wonder with a lot of these guys that are leaving, uh, you know, we we've seen that. And now a certain team out West is starting to see some of the (laughs) symptoms. Uh, But uh, it seems to be a common theme with some of the, uh, you know, all the measurable guys that they like to sign. And uh, the difference between maybe taking that three star is just a hard nosed football player that's willing to put his face mask in a pile and blow somebody up. Well, we, we had just talked about mukes. I think it's kind of the same thing. Um, and a lot of these other players that are leaving as well, you know, the measurables are there. We talked about Reggie Grimes earlier. He looks like a starting defensive end for an NFL football team, but he just doesn't have that knack on the football field. Uh, uh, Caleb, he's, not, he's not in the portal, though. Oh, he's not in the portal. Yeah, to be clear. Um, just some of those guys that the he previous will. staff had. <laughs> um We'll ignore that whisper for now. Um, <laughs> just these are just guys. The previous staff um, 
recruited, evaluated, brought in, tried to develop, and it's just not there. Uh, Caleb, do you have any players that you wish were still staying that have already announced their intentions to the portal? I think I think Caleb's with us. We might have lost him. I'm here. I'm here. It's uh, you, all you kinds stumped, of different. You issues. stumped him. You stumped him. He, did, he can't come up with an answer. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. I, I got I got dropped for a second. Repeat the question. Just any of these players that uh, have already announced their intentions of entering. No, the, the only one is Alton Tarver, and it's just uh, you know, it's because that's a good one. You have no clue. Uh, I did see him tweet out. I'll say that, you know, in his announcement, he said he's in the best shape of his life. And there's a picture you can see of um, a recent get together at Bates's house. And he looks in great shape. And he's actually standing next to Grayson Halton. And you can just see like you really get an idea of the difference in size and width and bulk between those two guys. And so he's the one guy where you're thinking like, gosh, don't know why he's leaving. Said it was something personal. You know, maybe Oklahoma, maybe he's homesick. Uh, maybe they can convince him to stay but that's the one guy i would go like gosh you kind of wish maybe that he could still here and had time to work with Bates to see what he could be as a nose just want to uh, see just want to see one year from him caleb right just one yeah year. yeah absolutely just want to see like hey could he could he have been a, an impactful guy at the nose guard position uh you know and he's he's leaving pretty quick so i, I hate to see that for him i think the portal's going to be an absolute mess so you never know uh, where some of these guys think they're going to end up or where they might actually end up. But but if he's trying to get back closer to home, hopefully he does. Hopefully, if that's the case, it's like a family problem. Maybe OU can help him a little bit. Maybe Bates yeah. has got some contacts. Yeah, I know all those guys, the Clemson guys, have a lot of Florida Florida connections. So Yeah, you hope he can. If that's the case, maybe get back to maybe UCF or somewhere close to, close to home. Yeah. Well, he, he would have been a guy that would have benefited a lot from these bowl practices, I think. Um, so speaking of the bowl, you know, it was announced today, Cheez-It Bowl, OU, Florida State. Um, what's your initial knee-jerk reaction, Barry, to that matchup? I woke up feeling the cheesiest, Coach. I, I, I think it's a <laughs> – the, the, I actually called this bowl a while back. I had a feeling it would be it. Uh, I think OU would get there on name brand alone. And it kind of seems that that's what happened a little bit as to why they didn't end up in, in some of these, you know, other positions that they're, they're playing a nine and three SEC team that, you know, has some talent. Florida State is not <laughs> totally deprived of athletes you know this is a team that you saw you know hang with lsu very early in the year and beat them um they they got they've had good quarterback play from from jordan travis at times they have some some absolute dudes on on the defensive front it is going to be a test for oklahoma and and i think the uh the youth movement is probably going to be showing up you know loud and clear i think we will get this is sort of my my hot take and maybe this isn't that hot of a take but i think we will get the closest semblance of what we will probably see next year in terms of certain guys at certain positions and maybe what i i feel like we're going to gleam a little bit of direction from this game that this past season it felt like you know, why is this guy still getting snaps? Why is this guy playing over this guy? You know, well, what's going on over here? 
I feel like this game is going to give us a, a bit of insight into what the coaches were were likely thinking and, and where they plan on going in the in the offseason and then of course leading into next year. Chris, what uh what were your first thoughts about Florida State? I hate this matchup. Um oh you first off, we're playing another Florida team in Florida. That never goes well for OU. Um, yeah, that's that's some unfortunate luck right there. Second, uh, this is a great season for FSU. Um, their fans are psyched about this season. Um, you know, it looked like maybe Norvell was teetering about being the third coach to they might let go at some point um, midseason, but he 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 righted the ship. They had a good season. They took care of both Florida and Miami, uh, even though it didn't look like either coach wanted to win that Florida Florida State game. Um, so there, I, I just think motivation is always kind of key in these bowl games. And I think FSU is probably higher on the motivation uh, on the motivation chart than OU. And it's going to be just a stadium full of FSU fans. And I'm and I'm kind of I'm I'm hoping Jared Verse opts out, um, just for our new tackles not to get not to end up being highlighted in his NFL draft uh, film uh, come the come the NFL draft in 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 late April. I don't want to see I don't want to see Sooner jerseys being bowled over by Jared Verse for for three minutes while Mel Kiper's talking about him. So I, I, and the quarterback matchup is bad. It's a bad matchup for our defense. Uh, Travis Benjamin's a really good athlete and he's a playmaker. He he's kind of a clutch guy. So he, and he's fast, uh, mobile quarterback. It's, it's all, it's all fitting into a, a, my initial jerk reaction is, is this is a bad matchup for you. Kyle, what are your thoughts on Florida state? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a bowl game built on, uh, Helmet logos, not uh, rankings or uh, win percentage. <laughs> oh, you, uh, we get to live and die by our massive following and, uh, you know, our uh, respect for uh, TV presence. So you go six and six, you still jump about three teams and the rankings of, you know, the bowl games. Uh, I've enjoyed the, uh, the Twitter fights today, seeing a bunch of fans losing their minds, whether they're Cowboy fans or Red Raiders or, you know, all these teams that finished ahead of us in the rankings and don't understand that bowl games aren't locked into, uh, you know, a seating or anything. Um, so having said that, it's it's like, OK, yeah, this wasn't exactly going to be the matchup of the century when you take a team that's in the top 15 versus a, <laughs> a team that was fighting to get bowl eligible in November. Um, but, you know, what's funny as the. Uh, proverbial data guy of the site is all year long we've laughed at the you know disagreement between what the data says and what the team is on the field you know the data shows us as a top 20 team um you know we keegan had a good tweet out the other day showing what this year's team looked like versus last year's an sp plus you know basically accounting for opponent and pace of play and everything and we're basically the same team um, by the data year over year, but 
we went 10 and two and are now six and six. And, you know, we've all said, yeah, that team probably should have lost about two more games, been about eight and four. And this year we probably should have won about two more games, been about eight and four. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of funny of which Sooner team shows up, you know, we should be able to score some points. You know, they, they do have Jared Burst and they've got a, a safety, I think by the name of Simmons, that's going to be coming out to the draft. Both those guys were saying they're still going to play in the bowl, but you know, they've, They've given up a lot of points that game Thanksgiving weekend. The rivalry with Florida was, you know, around the 40s, like 44, 37 or something like that. Um, so hopefully we can put up a good showing, you know, get some young guys, some reps. Like I was talking about, I'll be excited to see, you know, Barnes and either Sawcheck or, you know, somebody like that get some get some snaps. Hopefully we do some more of that on defense as well of getting some some guys some snaps after getting 15 extra bowl practices. It came out, you know, they were starting out of, you know, maybe a few point favorite. I expect that line to jump when people start looking at who has opted out, namely Eric Gray and and guys like that. Um, so I, as it stands, I would be putting money on Florida State if I was a betting man. Um, <laughs> I would believe anything under a touchdown as a realistic line, but uh, hopefully we can put up some points, have a good showing and. You know, who, who knows? There's every year there's these weird matchups where these bowl committees, you know, select a fun matchup over, you know, two co-records, you know, closer records. And there's wild hiccups from the month off and, you know, players opting out and all that jazz. So I take a win. We don't want to break our streak of, uh, you know, what is it like 23 winning seasons back to Bob's year? You know, that's going to stink to blow since we had numerous chances to avoid that already, but uh, it's going to be up to them to, uh, you know, buck up and beat a much better team uh, on the year to, to get that done. So I don't know. I'm feeling six and seven is going to be where we, uh, where we finish, unfortunately. Caleb, if you were a betting man, what would yeah, you bet? I would put, I want to see the line first. I think that's important. <laughs> uh, I got to see what the spread is. Uh, yeah. I would put money on Florida state to win right now. I, I don't – it's tough because I don't know with all the opt-outs Oklahoma's had. You don't know, particularly for me, like I think the offense went out because of Eric Gray. Um, I think, you know, he – his ability to make – again, make guys miss in the box and, and get, you know – uh, and Kyle talked about it, right? Early in his career, he tried to bounce everything outside. DeMarco finally got him – you know, to realize, hey, I've got to work everything north-south because I don't have the speed to get the corner. Uh, and he did that, and he just was consistent for like four yards a pop, which kept, you know, the run game going. So it's really hard. I, I do think in some ways it's not a terrible matchup for Oklahoma in the sense that I think where they've really struggled are with more physical teams that have tried to grind things out. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people have seen TCU play this year. I've commented on in the Big 12, at least, versus their Big 12 opponents. Probably won't be this way. It definitely won't be this way against Michigan. But they, they're they bigger. You know, they look much more physically imposing than some of the other Big 12 teams. Uh, Kansas State, real physical, you know, uh, try to grind it out, tight ends. and you know, in some of the run game concept stuff. I don't think that's Florida State. So, you know, uh, then with Redmond out, you know, 
and, and start to wonder like, okay, well, can Oklahoma still get the tackles for loss that they've had? You know, I think it'll probably be like every other game we've had this year, uh, OU, where it'll be a tight game, probably a one score game, which those have not, those, you know, uh, like Kyle said, right. It's, uh, those, those things this year have not gone in OU's favor. So, although, uh, you know, something's bound to change at some point. I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see there. There could be something said for the Oklahoma players opting out to go to the NFL draft. They're not going to be splitting their focus where the Florida state mm. players that are choosing to play this game are going to be talking with agents, lining up if they're going to play in what bowl, yep. you know, senior bowl, you know, NFL PA game where they're going to train at, you know, focused on other things and not thinking about preparing for Oklahoma. And they see six and six, watch some film. We can stop these guys around the same offense as Syracuse. We're good. Uh, so maybe Oklahoma can come out, get on top of them and, and, uh, and get a win because I, you know, I do not want to see them have a losing season. It's also a little poetic too. Don't you think that it, it was in Orlando, if we remember right, that in 2014, I mean, it really kind of launched uh, Venable's career at Clemson um, in, in kind of a almost a similar feeling matchup, you know, of a of, a, of an ACC team that's had a good, you know, kind of solid year, you know, has had some flux at quarterback at times uh, like Clemson had. So almost a little uh, almost a little poetic that now. Venables is on the other side of the coin with an, an underperforming Oklahoma roster that comes into this game. So, so I'm curious how that storyline might play out. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's an interesting one. And Caleb brought up the word preparation. Um, Venables and a couple of these guys on staff have faced this or the majority of this Florida State coaching staff before. Um, they might know a little bit of the tendencies um now jordan travis definitely presents a uh dual threat that could throw all that out the window but um got to give venables a little advantage there defensively uh, especially if he starts playing some of these younger a little bit more talented guys um, maybe they're playing a little bit faster than they were over the season because they've gotten those bull prep practices under their belt got some more time in the system. Um, so it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You got these guys leaving, you've got the young guys coming up. Florida state doesn't see tape on them. If they can step up guys like connect and Grayson Halton and some of those other guys, uh, RSJ might get a lot more run this game. Those are guys a lot faster, a lot more sudden, a lot better football players could surprise Florida State. Now, Jordan Travis, his legs, I, th I think this is going to be a shootout, another close game, one-score game. Could go either direction. Right now, if I was a betting man, I'd probably take Florida State, uh, depending on the line. But um, I think there's uh, some secretly, some small things that could go OU's way in this one. Yeah, I think it's a, one thing that's interesting, too, to your point about Brent's time at Clemson having faced uh, Norvell the amount of times they have is he's really meticulous, right? I mean, most coaches are, but him probably more so than all, you know, of uh, he really goes back in time, right, looking at uh, all the snaps he can 
to to game plan. So he's got a really big, uh, you know, uh, binder to be able to see, you know, uh, some tendencies and things. And then I think the other thing it'll be interesting to see. Y'all always wonder on stuff like this because you know it, it, it's friends, right? Is uh, does does his do his connections at Clemson? You know, do they give them some extra stuff like, hey, here's what we've seen this year. They don't have Dillingham. Here's what we've got on them. Uh, I'd be willing to bet yes. So maybe that plays in Oklahoma's favor. But I think the biggest storyline, Matt, was like what you nailed right there is the young guys that are going to get these 15 ball practices and really be focused on, you know, them being the future. You know, what kind of improvement do we see? And maybe do we see, yeah, do we see RSJ take 80% of the snaps over, uh, you know, over someone? like a, you know, like a Broyles. Yeah, I think it, it'll be an interesting storyline to watch. Um, another interesting storyline uh, happening around the country. Uh, we've got a couple things to go over real quick as we wrap this up. Primetime himself has landed a Power 5 job. Real quick, Barry, what do you think that will look like? I think we may have lost Barry. I think he may have dropped just a second ago. Well, Caleb, step right in. (laughs) You know what? I will say this. I said this on the board. Uh, I think Colorado is kind of two parts, right? There's a dichotomy there, but that program, it should be an amazing program. Uh, You know, McCartney showed he could go all over the country and recruit Boulder's beautiful. Uh, Denver is, you know, one of the top places to live. You're, you know, effectively pretty much in a suburb. It's a little ways out, but not much more than Norman and OKC. Uh, But the administration has historically not given two craps about the football program. And with revenues going through the roof from just being associated with the playoff and these TV contracts, I think that's really been true. And you even see where their AD has said they don't know where they're going to get the money for Dion, but they'll get it. He's sure of that. Uh, I think it's a situation where it could be a massive failure. But the other end of that is, you know, none of the other guys they've hired that they've brought in that they have not given support to have had you know the personality or the microphone that Dion has to call out the administration to call out the ad and Dion does uh so it's like a, to me it's it's a win-win for him he goes in there and it doesn't get turned around he's going to be super candid open and honest about why and you know it, it won't be on him, everybody will see that. Oh God, this is, you know, the administration's horrible and he'll get another opportunity and be able to, you know, bolt, or he's going to go in and uh, what will probably likely happen, you know, is, 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 you know, he'll be successful. I think, you know, I think probably have to define what success is, uh, but get them to bowl games, win games. And I think he'll do that because he'll be able to recruit kids and he is a good coach. He knows football. Uh, he really knows football and he'll get a good staff around him. So I think it's, I think really good hire for Colorado. Chris, what do you think? Well, well, to Kayla's point, I I think game day is going to be there for their first home game when they play Nebraska. I mean, it's the Dion show, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a circus. It's going to be a carnival. Um, that's good, right? In terms of enjoyment, fun time, and 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 eyes and eyeballs on the program, uh, he is a you know beyond all the glitz. He he he's done a good job coaching. 
I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna work well. I'm just not sure how long Colorado will be able to keep him. I yeah. think. I think there's a chance that an NFL team, if he does really well at Colorado, which to Cable's point has been awful, they they may have been the worst Power Five team in football this year. I mean, Kansas would have put forty nine nothing on them. <laughs> I think West Virginia probably would have beat them thirty five nothing or something like that. I mean, they're they're terrible. So if he can actually get them seven and five and bowling and and looking good, Boulder's a great place to recruit to. Pretty campus. All the other stuff he's gonna he can he can probably take care of. I, I think he could be. I think he could he could he he could hit really quick there. But if I was Colorado, I'd be concerned that that an NFL, that an NFL team or a bigger college football power would be like, whoa, we screwed up. Let's get let's get Dion ten million a year and get him over to us. Well, and I think you know he's he's you know starting on the right foot by, and we've talked about this off air a little bit. Um, already naming his son the quarterback, um, it's an interesting move, but to in my perspective, he's throwing that out there and saying. I've got my son. He can play quarterback. Who wants to come play with him? Anybody can come. I think we saw a tweet sent around right before we uh, started recording um, where he's having a meeting already with the Colorado players that are existing and saying, you guys need to move on. Um, So it's kind of interesting that he's coming in (laughs) with such candor and just that's where he's going to be so successful is it, he, yeah. he is, I, that's the thing. I, I love the guy for that reason. Uh, to your point, he's not coming in. Gonna, he's not going to come in and lie to these kids, you know, uh, you know, there, he's just not going to do that. There's that famous line. I remember what NFL coach it was. Uh, it was Mike Ditka, right. Showed up with the bears and he told them guys, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is we're going to win the Super Bowl in three years. Bad news. Most of you aren't going to be here to see it. Uh, and, and, and they did it right. And Dion's kind of doing the same approach of like, look, some of you, most of you guys aren't good enough to be here and, uh, go ahead and make arrangements. Uh, he's, he's not going to lie to anybody. And man, one thing I think everybody appreciates in today's world is just that, 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 that deep honesty. Well, yeah, the transparency, especially with what we went through last year, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very refreshing and you kind of hope that. Venables did a little bit of this last year, um, but we're kind of getting some win that he he is doing what he needs to do. That Brent, that is uh, this off season. Um, we'll have a lot more on the board uh, about that. Portal season opens tomorrow. Uh, we'll have another podcast coming up in the next few days uh, to kind of recap what's going on there. There's going to be a lot of news, uh, so definitely uh, be around the board. Um, real quick, uh, an exit question. What is your biggest position need in the portal going into next season? You want to go first, Chris? Go ahead. Gosh, it's a tough one. I honestly, I want to say defensive end, um, because if you're, if you're, 
are going to leave your backers out to dry. It doesn't matter if, you know, if Kanak is going to become a stud and if Kobe McKenzie, you know, like BV said, has got, you know, concrete in his helmet and is, is that inside linebacker that we, that Venables likes in his defense that can really kind of control from tackle to tackle and play inside out. Uh, it won't matter. Right. So I want to say defensive end, but at the same time, I'll, I'll go, Wide receiver with a caveat being if Marvin Mims goes to the NFL. If Marvin Mims does go to the NFL, Oklahoma is going to need, like right now they need one to two receivers, right? Uh, like that kid from Charlotte, DeBose, uh, you know, there's some some others out there. But they're gonna if, if, if Marvin Mims um, goes, they'll need they'll need right. some additional guys at the receiver position to come in and 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 you know help. Like the Kent State guy who just entered. Yeah, that's right. I mean, same offense. The kid can absolutely fly. He's a fit. Uh, Levy knows their coach. Uh, it, it, that's, that one seems like a – that seems almost too easy. He's probably lined up to go to Ohio State or something. Yeah, he's that's a guy that had uh, over 100 yards and a touchdown this year at Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, looking at it, I you know I think I put this somewhere. His numbers, he had over twelve hundred, almost twelve hundred and fifty yards as a junior, you know, last year. Uh, he, so he's he's a you know really good player. That would be you know I think we've talked about this, and we'll get us in, in the portal in the, you know in that one. I think those are where you win in the portal. You do not win going and not going to throw anybody. You know, this sounds bad. You don't win if you're Oklahoma going and finding you know insert other teams version of Bryson Washington and Clayton Smith. Like that's not where you're going to win where you're going to win is going and getting, you know, those Jared verse types, getting those kids that are really fantastic at group of five or FCS, bringing them up uh, and seeing, you know, I think you've seen that they offered that, that Western Michigan defensive tackle. So yeah, that, that, uh, that, that Kent state receiver is really good. I think I'm agreeing with you on wide receiver. Um, regardless of Mims, um, we just we need more playmakers uh, for next season. If it's Dylan Gabriel, he needs more options, um, you know, to keep the offense humming. Uh, if it's Jackson Arnold, he's going to need somebody to lean on uh, that can make plays. I I have um, confidence that the defensive staff will go out there and kind of get players they need to fit the the specific positions, fit their roles better with better football players. Defense plays as a unit, but on offense, you need that one playmaker um, to really take your team to the next step. So I'm sticking with wide receiver, but if you said any position in the front seven on defense and maybe like a swing tackle, uh, I'd be hard-pressed to disagree. I'm going to veer a little away from the very, very obvious wide receiver and defensive end. I completely agree, but I, I, I got to think we got to get another offensive lineman in. Our offensive line depth is like nowhere. You, you can't tell me if, if, if Matoya is, if Matoya, you want to replace Matoya um, at, at, at guard, you want a better player there. We literally have like no depth at all at offensive line. Somebody somebody gets hurt in the bowl game. I'm I'm you know if Sexton gets hurt in the bowl game, who, who are we playing at tackle? Oh, that's actually 
uh, what is it? Hicks, maybe? You know, you're probably like stuck going to to yeah, Hicks. He, he's never Aaron, Aaron I, I take that back. Aaron Parks. Yeah, Aaron Parks. He has been, in yeah. fairness, he has actually played probably as many snaps at tackle as uh as Sexton has. So yeah, Parks isn't interesting. But no, to your point, right? Like it's uh I mean we need we need more competition on that O line. We need we need at least someone, you know, to, to plug our podcast. Caleb and I talked about O-line on the Sooner Recruiting Episode 4 podcast. Uh, you talked about some um, O-line in the portal. I, I think we're, we've got a good, uh, we got a good O-line recruiting class coming in. We've got good young guys in Sexton and Taylor, but we just don't have enough of them. Yeah. And there's nothing in between. There's really just not that much in between. So I think we need, uh, we need portal. We need at least one good portal offensive lineman who can push the interior, the interior offensive guard guys. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, they they that the center out of Cincinnati, uh, who's a kid that started for Cincinnati's. Uh, Rain's injury history just is worrying me left and right, Caleb. So a center to me would be like perfect. In that, yeah, that kid at Cincinnati fits that right. I think he he was three year starter at Cincinnati. He started for their playoff team, got hurt at the beginning part of this year, but was you know was considered. I think was voted the best center in the American Conference, and he entered the portal with uh, Fickle. You know, taking I know Beatenbo's following him. A kid like that, and then there's the uh, Hinton kid uh, out of out of Stanford that's been a I think two year starter. And you're starting to see some Stanford kids that are going into the portal. He would be an interesting one to watch. Big offensive tackle. You know, probably he'll you know he'll at very minimum once he's done in college he will have a shot in the NFL. Uh, he'd be an interesting, but honestly, man, you know, Chris, to your point, tell me if I'm wrong here. When you really look at Oklahoma's roster and you look at the class they're bringing in, it kind of feels like maybe there's going to be an argument made that they need another high school offensive lineman in this class and two portal guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's no other, there's no other high school offensive lineman in play. I, I wish there was, if you could get, I mean, if you could get, I, I mean, Miles Hinton has hit the portal. Um, that would be a fit too. But yeah, I mean, I, I think two portal offensive linemen, one interior, one 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 who can play tackle, would be is the infusion of depth and competition the O line needs for next year. Yeah, agreed. I mean, and if we have, and if our O line is struggling, and all the defensive improvements in the world are not going to help us. With 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 DG behind a leaky offensive line, absolutely. Yeah, no. Someone like that, like uh, Hinton, a, a tackle. Uh, you know, he'd be able to come in and compete. And then, honestly, you'd also allow you the ability to take Parks, who you know, I've been his biggest fan. Probably, I think I own uh, the rights to his fan club. Uh, he's he's struggled in some of the action. He's been good in some been good in some run game. Uh, he struggled in pass pro some. You know, I tackle. So I think one of the thoughts there is, gosh, if you can go get a portal tackle, can you will you kick Parks inside? You know, he played guard and and some center on camp circuits, and he's a competitive kid. That's why I've always thought he would be really successful, is because how competitive he was. So maybe you can, yeah, maybe you can. You, I just think I just wonder if Bird's a tackle and Parks is a guard, and if you have some other players coming in, yeah. you can do some of these. You can swap some of these pieces around, and 
And maybe Sexton is 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 more of a he can do right tackle, but he could just be an absolute killer at guard. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I agree. Well, with all the the talk recently and overall about Beatenbow, I think there's uh, a lot to like about the flexibility going forward. As long as we get that depth addressed, um, I, I agree about two offensive linemen at least in the portal. Um, a center would give you some flexibility with Rame, um, too, which would be nice to have. So I think uh, that about wraps it up for this week. I know on the board we'll have a lot. We're tracking the portal, uh, tracking offers, tracking follows. Um, might even have our first little hint at um, one of our newest portal recruits. Uh, so, so check out Sooners360.com for the latest. Um, we'll be back Wednesday with a another edition of the recruiting podcast to catch up on all the portal news. Um, so listen then, and we'll see you on the board. All right. Thanks, everybody.